Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that signs on the dotted line. Yes, we're back after a pretty decent week in Bengaldom. We crushed the Bills at the weekend and then to cap it all off, Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins signed contract extensions, keeping them at the club for a further three and four years respectively. So there's a lot to talk about uh, and we've got another special guest coming up in a little while. So without further ado, let me introduce the people in the sewing room this week. And yes, I said people. Who is this other geezer? Oh, well, I think you've just heard from one of the people in the room. It is the rolls to my Royce, the dot to my cotton, the salt to my caramel, the batten to my berg, and the pims to my lemonade. <laughs> it's Nathan Palmer, everybody. How you doing, everyone? Good to be here again. Episode 18 of Cincinnati, approaching that unbelievable 20, which would be great, wouldn't it? If well, we get there? episode 20 is going to be like the first episode proper of the regular season isn't yeah it? i know good good uh, alignment uh, uh, well yeah exactly good leverage i'd say <laughs> there <laughs> and also joining us in the room this week is my mate from japan uh, a fellow bengals fan who i grew up with in the midlands making his cincinnati debut and all the way from tokyo it's jim bingham ladies and gentlemen hello everyone it is an unbelievable honor and a privilege to be here and somewhere in the corner is Jim's partner, Yumi. Yumi, are you there? Do you want to say hello? No? Great. Oh, there you go. She's Great there way. Um, The sewing room is so packed with sewing things, all I saw was a little hand pop up in the, in, in the background. This is the there. most people we've ever had in this sewing room, isn't it? I know. It's, it's, it's bordering on, I don't know. It's, it's quite... a bit of a crowd. <laughs> it is a bit of a like, crowd, yeah. It's a bit of an absolutely. audience tonight, I feel like. Um, so, um, we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, and the first thing I think we should talk about um, is the contract extensions for Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins. I like to think the deal got done because of Carlos's appearance on Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I thought that was a key, key factor, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, what are you saying, Nathan? You, you must be delighted. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's, I think Gino Atkins getting him back to me is a bigger deal than getting Dunlap back. I love Carlos Dunlap and I'm so happy he's back, but... Gino Atkins is a perennial pro. You want him back. You want him in that locker room until he retires. I mean, Dunlap, I rate. I think Dunlap's a better player when he's got a good line around him because I think his stamina is potentially the only issue. But Gino, it's amazing to get them both locked down. And you don't want that. I think it's better to get it done before the start of the season as well to get that story out of the way yeah. and to just um, get on with football and you're not worried about busting your ACL game one, yeah. not trying as hard, and then the deal goes you know, in the toilet. So I think they're done. They, those guys have got money in the bank. Let them get on with it week one. What about you, Jimmy? I mean, uh, what you, are they two of your favourite players, would you say? Uh, absolutely, on the defence. I mean, um, you know, as Nathan says, Gino, perennial, uh, you know, uh, pro bowler. You, you can't really argue. I mean, I would say he's maybe the, the second or third best, uh, you know, uh, Defensive lineman in his position in the league, maybe behind mm. Donald, you know, yeah. um, really important to keep him. Uh, Dunlap also, I mean, since he was drafted, he's isn't he like the 10th highest in sacks, mm. like since he got drafted? So, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's you know, I, it's really, really good. My only concern would be like, how old are they going to be at the back end of the contracts? And, yeah, are, and yeah. are the Bengals still going to be paying out? Well, I mean, they're both money? 30, I think, yes. Um, so they're going to be 33 and 34, so that's 
going to be pretty much at the end of their careers, right? You would imagine. Um, but Gino's contract was quite sort of heavily loaded on the front end, wasn't it? Well, I've so... got the details here. He agreed to a four-year extension until 2022, um, and it's worth $65.3 million dollars. Um, it's more than me. I know. I mean, who'd have thought it? I mean, you arrived here by yacht this evening, didn't you? Um, yeah, I mean, he re- he's going to receive $25.5 million in the first year. That's crazy. And more than half the deal, $37.5 million in the first two years. So it is front-loaded. Um, well, that's because we've got a lot of cap room right now, isn't it? So yeah, it's clever. Yeah, and then Dunlap agreed to a three-year extension worth 45 million dollars it's huge isn't it i mean they're actually this again this is very un bengals like i mean they were both on relatively mates rates contracts Mm. really weren't they um so they have paid those guys they paid them big bickies i mean i don't know if this is true but i read somewhere that the uh, the gino deal he's getting more money in one year than anybody, get anybody a lifetime, else, like, uh, isn't, like, who hasn't been a quarterback. Right. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, only right, quarterbacks yeah. who uh, are getting more money than that. So, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a massive statement, isn't it? By oh, it's huge. These it's NFL cool. contracts are crazy, though, because every year they just seem to blow another one out of the water. It's just like completely like, I think as the cap increases, people just want to just pay and pay and pay. And like when we paid Dalton, I think at one point he was like the second or third highest quarterback in the league. And yeah, yeah, people yeah. were like, that's a crazy amount of money to pay someone like him. And now everyone's looking at it, and people like Alex Smith are getting paid, Jimmy Garoppolo's getting paid obscene yeah, amounts, yeah. And vastly unproven quarterbacks. And you're actually looking at Dawn's contract, and you're saying that's pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, you know. And we might look at Geno Atkins because I read a few people saying it's good we got Atkins done before Aaron Donald gets done. Yeah, because he would have liked. Because if Donald gets the, the deal done, Geno Atkins' agents can be saying, "Well, we want that. Yeah. Or we want pretty damn close to that." Yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm not sure the Bengals would want to get involved in that sort of confrontation. And I, I no. do, th- I do think. I mean, what you're saying with the Dalton contract, which is which is maybe helping the team out, it's a really, really team-friendly deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's yeah. allowing the Bengals to maybe sign the people that they really do need to keep if they're going to make a yeah. run, uh, you know. Well, I mean, we debated George Iloka and his release last week. Um, that's crazy. That's a week ago. I mean, it was like a month ago. Really I've got a few does. conspiracy theorists for you there. If, um, if, if I think <laughs> we've been through the conspiracy theories. Um so, yeah, I mean, maybe that was all part of it, you know, just making sure that... I mean, they they also got uh, Denard and Tyler Croft on the in contract years. So, I mean, I think Denard is actually pretty important. I, Tyler I, Croft, definitely. I, I would absolutely love them to re-sign Denard. I think he's yeah. improved like unbelievably over the last two years. The first three years were a little bit shaky, I thought, but uh, yeah. especially last year, he really came on as, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the team's... Premier slot corner sort of thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. And oh, okay. slot corners are like super important in the league now, aren't they? So, mm. um, so that's good news. And I, I think adding to the positivity is the fact that we absolutely smashed Buffalo at the weekend. I mean, in a really our line looked ferocious. Well, yeah, which one? Ferocious. Well, not the offense. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I can't quite call them ferocious just yet. <laughs> but it was an impressive performance, wasn't it? I mean, we were at one point, like, it reminded me of a few years ago, like against the Jets, where we were up by 30 at half time. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, incredible yeah. showing. Um, what did you guys think? I mean, I, I yeah, like you, it was almost like a perfect half of football. I say almost. We'll go, come on to the not-so-good bits in a bit. But it was like a... Uh, almost like a perfect half of football the way they moved the ball the offensive line in pass protection to be fair was really good 
Mm. I mean, Bobby Hart was starting at right tackle, Bobby and I Hart. never thought I'd say that. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Maybe, yeah, but, uh, um, <laughs> and Billy Price looked really good. Um, you know, Dalton looked super sharp. Dalton looked good. You know, the receivers were getting amazing separation. The play calling was on the money. And then Biff first played John Ross. Yeah. And that's exactly what you want to see from him. You know, mm-hmm. just him being on the field just creates problems. He's going to be an enigma this year, I think. I think he's going to be the sort of player that will turn up for... He's going to. I think this year he's going to remind you of... Like, remember John Brown from the Cardinals? Yes, yes, yes. yes that yes, sort yes, of player yes, yes. where he'll turn up once a game for like a 60-yard reception or like... Or he'll be involved somehow, almost like a bit like a sort of Taylor Gabriel type yeah, player. You yeah. know, streaky but not consistent because you forget in that game as well, he's wide open across the middle, yeah. drops that ball... On a sort of curl, like you know, cross route across the middle, yeah, yeah. catches that. He's gone for at least 20, 30 yards more, maybe more. And I think that's his preseason personified. Big play, big drop, big you know negative. And he yeah. needs to just make sure that he can maintain that consistency. And we'll have a really good player on our hands. Even, Even if the, oh, sorry, Paul. No, he, I was going to say, were you on board with the John Ross drafting in the first round? And you know, do you think he's going to make? Give us that kind of real X factor in the offense. Um, I absolutely was on board with with drafting him in the first round. Um, I just it, I think people get a little bit sick of watching everything go to AJ Green, and we really needed, especially with Tyler Boyd's struggles in his first couple of years. He's looking a lot better now, I think. Mm. But uh, we really did need a, a, a proper a weapon that we didn't really have no. as well. I mean, AJ is he's also very quick, but he's not a pure burner. And I think John Ross could potentially really open up the offense and allow people like Tyler Eifert, if he's fit, Tyler uh, and, uh, and and Croft as well, you know, really open up the middle of the field. Mm. And I, I don't know. I really want him to succeed. Uh, obviously, last year it was really weird, wasn't it? Last year, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was very strange. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't um, manage to watch the whole game. I just saw the like ten minute highlights on YouTube right. because my Game Pass doesn't work in uh, in England. Right. Okay. Um, so I. I, I I didn't really see. I didn't see the drop, for example. But no. that's not the first time it's happened in preseason, right? Well, no, certainly in, no, it hasn't, is it? He, it was that curl route where he fell down. Yeah. Oh, of course, right. Kyle okay. Fuller for the touchdown. Right. And that's where he just needs to clean it up. I mean, I think he's a better player than John Brown and Taylor Gabriel. I think he's got more in his locker, but he's got to show it. And he's got to stay healthy. Yeah. Because even if he can show it, can he stay healthy? There's he two factors does, there. Does look flimsy, doesn't he? Yeah, that's he does look thing. a bit flimsy. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I mean, it was a lovely move to get into the end zone after the catch. Well, yeah, he did a bit. Had to do, and, you know, that ball was slightly underthrown, so he Absolutely. had to kind of stop. Uh, it wasn't in stride, but hey, you know, this is nitpicking. Let's go through some uh, some of the Bengals UK interactors on on Twitter. Uh, Jamie at uh, Triquart Beaster. I said it correctly, I think, this week for the first time. Um, we have the best defensive line in the league, not just the four best players on the team, but the subs we have as well: Willis, Hubbard, Glasgow. One thing. We need to get rid of Michael Johnson and use his cap on a new right tackle. Ooh. Paul, what do you think about that? I'm You're a big Michael Johnson yeah, fan. What are you Ma- saying about I, that? I'd just say give Michael Johnson a contract until he dies, basically. <laughs> uh, I, want, I want him playing for the Bengals in his 60s. <laughs> That's what, what do you think about that comment about the defensive line? Are you agreeing with that? Oh, yeah, of course. Cool. I mean, you think we've got the best defensive line in the league? Well, no, sorry. I agree that it's a, you know pass rushing. It's monster, But there was still some... 
stuff to clean up on the run defense. That's a good point. And I think that's what we'll see more in the regular season is like, can we effectively stop the run? Because last year we weren't bad against the pass, but we, we just couldn't stop the run. Like it was just completely like leaky. Absolutely. And there was a few moments, there were a few runs in that first half. I mean, they couldn't do anything in the passing game, Buffalo, but we, because we were just, I mean, there was one bull rush from Gino that kind of just pushed back this, yeah, guard or centre I think animal, it was and right into Josh it was just like unbelievable mm. Josh Allen didn't know what was coming he out. had a rough game Josh Allen not in terms of, and a lot of people were saying it's nothing to do with him it was what we did we mm. really caused him a nightmare we did okay uh, Dean Owen Jones at Word Sherbet oh, solid handle there you go <laughs> Word there Sherbet. you go it's back solid handle is it's back it's a maiden voyage for him as well isn't it? I've never heard him before <laughs> no Dean's Dean's been around he? and he's, uh, he's he, he chirps a lot and uh, we, we're very grateful for it um uh, I guess most other fight will say the same. It's the run game. Yes, the O line is better on passing, but without the run game, getting downhill more often, teams will know we're going to pass. Receivers will be blanketed, etc. Before you answer that, there's a few other <laughs> sort of running games. Um, uh, the ugly game at ugly game. Martin, uh, that is hello, Martin. I know one shouldn't read too much into the preseason, and that 15 carries isn't many. But mixing putting 24 yards. At less than two yards per carry is deeply concerning. Um, Logie B513 at L Baker513. Uh, he's, he's, he's a first time caller. Maiden voyage. <laughs> Maiden voyage. Um, Andy Dalton is breaking the Bengals' record for passing yards this year. Our run game is going to have to be our short passing game to Geo and Mixon at least until these D-lines get a bit, little bit more beat up. And I just want to read one more, because um, Martin at Dorset Bengal, another Martin. Hello, Martin. Um, Bengal should lean heavily now towards becoming a f- pass-first offence. Strange, considering Marvin's historic tendencies towards the run-first mentality. Will he change, though? The running game, offensively, has been a problem. There's no getting away from that. Um and the, the argument that Martin also went on to make is like, do we actually need to have a good running game? And we just do, we can just kind of scheme in a West Coast kind of short pass, like New England do. Yeah, exactly. Little yeah. short passes, move the change, two, three yards. That's your running play. Yeah. Do you think there's a, an argument for that? Even if there is, I think New England's got a better offensive line than us and they've got a better quarterback. I think it's going to be tough for us. I mean, I'm not, I mean, people are probably sat there thinking he's loving the fact that Mixon is bombing it in the preseason. For me, it's more like we need to prove what we can do in the run game. And I don't think three preseason games with like four or five carries a game is indicative of how we're going to be in the regular season. No, I But agree. we have to be better. Because at the moment, they're using Mixon in the past game more than anything else. I mean, he caught that ball in this game over the yeah, middle for like yeah, 12 Yeah, he's been 15, really good. Almost in like the slot. Yeah. Just as like a slot receiver, and his touchdown the other week was very, he was on the outside mm, that's true. running yeah. a curl route, and it's like that's fine, but I want to see him shred up the middle for seven or eight yards. And what concerns me, and that's that was it, what 12, 18 carries for 22 yards or whatever yeah. it was, that worries me because a good running back rips even with a bad offensive line, rips off one for eight that should have been four, rips off one for two that should have been none. And for me, I've watched him quite closely this preseason and he's not made one run behind a line that is improved that really made me think, yeah, fair play. 
right. it's all been a bit pedestrian. Like running into the line, gets tackled at the first point of contact, goes down, and he's basically getting what he's given. And I feel like everyone's hyping him so much. I want him to do well. Yeah, trust me. If he shreds it through against the Colts in Week One and goes eighty yards for a touchdown, I'll be the first geezer out of my seat with my shirt off. But I want to see it. Because at the moment, I'm not seeing it. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I'm supposed to be coming around to yours to watch that game. I'm not sure I like the sound of Just that. Just dropping a few flirty hints. Uh, okay, <laughs> right. It's going to be that kind of night, is it? Right, <laughs> right okay. Um, I mean, to be Bring your car keys as well. D- blimey, okay. Um, well, I need to, to get out alive, I think, by the sounds of it. Um, to be fair, though, I know what you're saying, and... I did see something on Twitter that someone said, is there an argument to say that Trey Carson is our best running back? Mate, is, it's true, Is though. there an argument that Gio is a better running back I, I than agree. Mixon? I agree. You know, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen the best of Mixon Jimmy, yet. what do you think? Mixon versus Gio, tell us. Uh, I'm a big Mixon fan. I think, really? uh, yeah, I really am. Like, I think he was hampered unbelievably by the by the play of the O-line last season. I, I mean, as I say, I haven't been able to watch a lot of the preseason. I mean, the running game, is it the fault of the running back? Is it the fault of the offensive line? Is it the play calling? Is it, is it you know... Is oh, it's, it's 90% offensive line, without right. a doubt, I think. So, even though we've upgraded, in inverted commas, the offensive line, then... Well, it looks... It look, if the preseason is anything to go by, it looks as though we're going to be able to keep Dalton standing okay. for a couple of more seconds than he was able and to. And that is huge year. because he is a timing quarterback. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, the one yeah. thing that I have a question about is like, why do they not use Ryan Hewitt a lot more uh, mm. in the I formation, like power running yeah, scheme? With I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy got, Hill, that worked yeah, brilliantly. Yeah. That but then again, yeah. we haven't really got a back like Jeremy Hill anymore, like a real bangy back. Have we? Well, Mixon's but, a big geezer though. He's not like... But he's sort of slimmed down and, and kind of got yeah, leaner. That is true, year. actually. He's like 20 pounds lighter than he was Something last year. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I d- it's a tricky one. I'm sure they're working really hard on it because they're not stupid and they can kind of see what's going on. And Marvin is an old school coach who likes a, a, you know a proper running. I think game. if you can run the ball, if we could run the ball effectively for five or six yards every time, like that makes look, such a huge difference. I mean, yeah. Andy Dalton would tear people apart. No, I agree. Because we've yeah. got the passing game there. I mean, Dalton's an average quarterback. You've got Tyler Eifert, who's an above average tight end. Green's incredible. John Ross looks exciting. Mm. You got Tyler Boyd in the slot. I mean, it looks like a good squad. Yeah. I just think if we we need team if teams start dropping back and saying you can't run the ball, yeah, Dalton is going to struggle. Absolutely, but. I think if we can run that ball, even effectively for three or four consistently, just well, to let teams sit a bit. Yeah, like, well, you have it, to keep it, defences honest. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, think, I think you're right. I think a running game is needed just for the variety and also, you know, brings things like the play action into play. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's absolutely, like the yeah, defences yeah. don't know quite know what you're going to do, mm. but if you just pass it all the time, you know, they can scheme against that. Um, that's the real key for me because I think this week against Indianapolis in the preseason game, I don't think we'll much. even see the starters. At no, all, and actually, why? Why would you? I no, mean, they you played wouldn't. pretty well. This, the, oh, absolutely, you're going games. off that. But I think the key to the game in the actual regular season game against Indianapolis, Joe Mixon, that is a huge game for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because he had a bad season last season. There's excuses there. No one's, you know, on his back in terms of like, you have to be the It's a big, big game for him because mm. we do need. But I don't think Mixon's going to be out up. there this, this Thursday. No, I mean against in the regular oh, right, season so, game. Sorry, yeah, yeah, like yeah. week one in the regular season game. Yeah. That we really need him to step up and show us, you know, why we've got this faith in him why he was so heavily lauded coming out of Oklahoma. Like mm. We need to see that talent on display. 
because we need a running game to be working. Yeah. I mean, how how much of a split do you think it will be between him and Gio in week one of the regular season? Sixty forty him, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. He'll G- get Gio more. Will be like third down sort of thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, but they tended to alternate between when G- when it was Gio and Jeremy Hill. It was like they'd get you know Jeremy Hill would get like a full series mm. and then another couple more. Then Gio would come in for a full series. I hope it's not telegraphed. It's like, right, it's third down, get Gio in. Because <laughs> no, right, yeah, you know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen there. Um, I think Gio, though, I mean, he, he, even in the last game against the Bills, he had one or two carries where he ripped off an eight or nine or ten yard run and he like he mm. burst through and he looked good. And he, like I've said in the, the before, he doesn't go down easy. For a guy that's like you almost consider to be a third down scat bag, he's yeah. a hard ass. He runs. I think so. I think he's really I, underrated I think, as a pure running back. I think back. I really he has do. every right to sit there and say, from the last, from his history as a Bengal from last year as a Bengal and from this preseason why am I not starting he's fantastic in pass protection as well yeah, yeah he's, he's, his blocking yeah, is yeah, really yeah. underrated I think yeah. really underrated I think he'd have every right to say why am I not starting well I think it's see I don't go with the whole starter thing I really don't because no, it is a rotational game and mm. a situational game yeah 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 uh, and I think that's really important. Um, anyway, we've um, got a bit more time until our guest comes on. It's very exciting. Um, Chris Hood said um, that it's one of the most sort of perfect halves of football that he's seen from the Bengals in recent years. Uh, you know, can you remember? And I, I kind of agree with him. And it, But do you remember the Green Bay game last year? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was a good half. Do you remember the first half against Pittsburgh at yeah, home at last home. year? Yeah. Like, yeah, they were insane. perfect. Like, both sides of the ball, they were perfect games of football. There was another game against Pittsburgh at home two years ago when in the first half they were almost 20 points up. Right, and then time, just and blew, then blew it. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember against the Jets, that game I was referring to earlier? Yeah, where yeah, We absolutely yeah, yeah. trashed the Jets and Marvin Jones had four touchdowns. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. just such a blowout. Like, I was sat there like the third quarter just drinking like... <laughs> 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 like and, then you, done. and then the Bengals. <laughs> no, we trashed them that game. Yeah. I mean, I, they are capable. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, However, let, let's, you know, this is all very well getting very excited <laughs> and optimistic, which is very unusual for Bengals fans, I know. Duncan Yedden, um, at Slam Dunk the Funk. That's a solid handle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all this positivity needs to be nipped in the bud. I'm predicting a 6-10 and 10 season. Well, harumph to you, Duncan. <laughs> I think he's got a point, though. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying agree, he's right, but I think... We were only last week absolutely terrified at our offensive line saying nothing's changed. And mm. that's the pre season for you. You have one good week in week one, week two goes a bit yeah. pear shaped, yeah. week three we're all a bit, you know, a bit like clamouring around, getting a bit excited. Like, also, yeah. it was against the Bills. Yeah, that's right. Point. I think they're going to be, be I think they're no, going to be six not. and ten yeah, this I year. Agree. I really do. But the Bills, I yeah, I, I think, think I think they'll be lucky to get that many wins. Yeah. They've not got a quarterback. They, they've got three guys who are below average right now. AJ McCarron, you know, below average. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Josh Allen at the moment is a rookie he's definitely below average in terms of the league starters well, way below and Nathan average. Peterman even though they seem keen on him he's below average do you know what I mean um, and this is really interesting when Duncan put that up uh, him and Sam Anger or Anger um, had a really fantastic debate like Sam was like no hold on I think the off front of line is going to be good and or better and I think that's going to be enough to see us a get civilised Bengals fans eh well this is what <laughs> we created Bengals UK for surely for civilised debate civilised debate with gentlemen you know, and their American gentlemen football. in their smoking jackets 
and a little glass of port <laughs> and a little cigarello by an open <laughs> roaring fire. <laughs> That's on, on a TV ki- screen. On a TV screen, yeah. That's the kind of look that I'm going for. And I'm just imagining Duncan and Sam in this kind of Victorian living room with Shay's long. Oh, well, sir, hello, I can 100% chap. see it. Well, nice can you? Well, you met Duncan before. I've met Duncan, yeah. Yeah, you can see it. Can you see him in the pipe? Uh, I see a smoking more in jacket like... in, a, in a pair of slippers. <laughs> it's not exactly where I'd see him, but no. you <laughs> we could get, we need to get Duncan on this podcast. Yeah, well, that uh, it's funny you should mention that. Um, you wait till next week. <laughs> oh my! Right, I think it's uh, enough uh, from us, and it's time to bring in uh, this week's special guest. So yes, our special guest this week is uh, now. Obviously, everyone's heard of Pro Football Focus. It's a Cincinnati-based analytics company that uh, provides amazing facts and figures and stats for the NFL, uh, NFL fans, I should say. And we're delighted to say that uh, one of those analysts, Austin Gale, is joining us from the Queen City right now. Austin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Well, it's great to have you on, Austin. Um, Now, a lot of Bengals fans are weirdly optimistic. And I say that quite slowly and and measuredly because we're not used to this feeling, right? Um, We're not used to the Bengals. Well, that's a bit unfair. Um, But but especially after the last two seasons, right, we've known about the offensive line problems. It's it's kind of rippled out and, and affected the whole offense. And the defense has been kind of, you know, trying to play catch up a little bit. But are we right to be optimistic? Are Bengals fans over here? You know, you should see the Bengals UK Twitter feed. It's been completely lit up over the past couple of days because of that performance, especially in Buffalo. Um, are we right to be optimistic? What What are your thoughts about the preseason so far? I think there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic as a Bengals fan. There's a lot of players that needed to step up this preseason and prove that they're going to contribute in the regular season, and they've done so. You know, Geno Atkins, Carl Lawson, Jordan Willis, Andrew Billings, that whole defensive line has really, really stepped their game up, and they look like they're going to be just an absolute tear this this season. And then you look at the corners, you know, William Jackson's obviously playing well, you know, Fajello is contributing on defense and special teams, Sam Hubbard's playing well, there's just so many names that are exceeding expectations on the defensive side of the ball and then you turn to the offense. Billy Price hasn't allowed a single pressure this season. I mean, this preseason, you know, Andy Dalton looks really good. That connection with John Ross is obviously there. There's just so many reasons to really feel like the thing will finally something. Right. But then there's also reasons to kind of hesitate. There's those reasons we you know, offensive tackle still isn't a solved problem. You know, Bobby Hart hasn't played well. BAE hasn't played well. Jake Fisher hasn't been up and down. That tackle position is going to be very key in whether or not they kind of go the distance. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that you're going to have to keep an eye on and you have to monitor moving forward. But if they can rally past those inefficiencies on the offensive line, specifically the tackle position, this team can go far. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think most Bengals fans are excited because of the, the weapons there and offense and, 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 and the fact that they... They look as though they've got a connection there. Bill Lazor is starting to use things a little bit more creatively and putting his stamp on the offense, which he never really got a chance to do last year, aside from, say, the Green Bay game or the first half of the Green Bay game and the first half of the Pittsburgh home game. Um, What have you seen differently? I mean, have they changed things a lot schematically on the offensive side of the ball? 
I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot of schematic change, really. I think they'll mix in. They're moving him around a lot more than you, I thought originally. I think playing him outside of our receiver, moving him out of the backfield and having him catch passes. Yes, he's had that one key drop. But, I mean, there's there's times when, when he get, you get the ball in his hands, he could be outstanding. And you saw that at Oklahoma and you're seeing now. Yeah. You factor him in. John Ross is obviously now healthy. And he's a, he's a big, you know, boomer bust guy. You saw him drop that slant pass that probably could have been turned into a touchdown with his yards after catch ability. But when you see him catch that deep bomb and two defenders in the end zone, that's what you're going to get from John Ross, and you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you that big play, and then he's going to let you down maybe on a key third down on a slant with a drop or, you know, just miscommunication, something along those lines. But if they can get that going, and Tyler Boyd has looked well, I, I think Josh Malone has played well, this offense is going to go, and Croft and Eifert, those, that's a great combo for as long as Eifert's back is intact. And I think um, schematically, it's not so much schematically, but it's players living up to expectations. Players finally right. you know, healthy and, and playing together and actually you know, molding this kind of chemistry that the Bengals have lacked in previous years. And what about what about the offensive line? You mentioned Bobby Hart. He started against Buffalo. I didn't think he did too badly. And I think in pass protection particularly that whole offensive line looked as though they were giving Dalton a few more extra seconds, cleaner pockets, all the rest of it. And that's when obviously Andy Dalton is at his best, you know, when he's got time and to get the ball out relatively quickly. Um, what we've been, we had Anthony Munoz on last week. Um, look at us dropping mm-hmm. names, but um, yes, we had uh, Sir Anthony Munoz on last week and um, he he said, "Watch out for Alex Redmond," and obviously he got you know flagged twice against Buffalo. Um, who who would be your starting offensive line in terms of you know you know your analytical way of looking at it? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to give Cordy Glenn the start at left tackle, even though he has had some you know some plays he'd probably want back. I think he's your left tackle for sure at left guard, probably going Clint Bowling. Center's Billy Price, and at right guard position. I personally am in, in the favor of having Christian Westerman get the nod, but because right. he's not, you know, as completely highly regarded on with, within the Bengals coaching staff, Redman is my number two there. Right. If I was going to go with someone other than Christian, Christian Westerman, and I think that right tackle position, you have to stick with Bobby Hart because he's been the best. But and Jake Fisher is, I think, going to be their mainstay as the backup to Cordy Lynn on the left side. They really want it to be a battle between Obehi. And Bobby Hart, mm-hmm. I think for now, Bobby Hart has to continue to get the nod until they can find to get, you know, get some continuity out of Seth Gabriel. Sure, sure. Um, Austin, there's been a lot of talk about Joe Mixon. A lot of fans really excited about his potential coming out of Oklahoma. And a lot of people last year saying the offensive line was one of the main reasons that he possibly wasn't at his best. Looking at the preseason, looking at last year, what have you seen, especially in the preseason from Mixon? Are you are you optimistic that with this revamped offensive line that he can produce what we need him to? Yeah, absolutely. I think from a rushing perspective, when you give him a crease, he can make the best of it. I think if the offensive line is better this year, I think you're going to see that You know, in, in uh, Joe Mixon's box score numbers. I think you'd like to see him force more missed tackles in, in, when running the football. He didn't force a bunch last year. He had a, kind of a poor elusive rating. You'd like to see him get more yards after contact. But I think it, that's just him adjusting to the speed of the NFL and adjusting to the size of, you know, size of defenders in the NFL. And I think if he can do that, he has the size and the ability to be that guy who breaks a bunch of tackles and turns short gains into long gains that way. As in the receiving game, you have to love his usage, you know, splitting him out wide, throwing the ball out of the backfield. That's where he's most valuable, in my opinion, is catching the ball out of the backfield. Yes, Neil Gardner Bernard is 
such a good receiving back, but Mixon, when you get him in that space, and he's, you know, it's, it's just fantastic to see him play because he's, he's a mismatch nightmare. You know, he's, he's big enough to go against the linebackers and press coverage. He's quick enough to kind of beat them over the top. It's, it's exciting to see him in the passing game. I think that's where the Bengals need to use him the most. That's interesting to hear. Now, obviously, you must see a lot of tape, and you know you look at a lot of players that maybe don't get the snaps they deserve, and you know you see a lot over the course of the game. Are there any players either side of the ball, you know, maybe like on the rot, the fringe of the roster or anything like that? Is there a guy that you've looked at and said, you know what, I think he's a bit of a steal. I think he could really go somewhere. Like, is there anyone that you'd go on the record and say, I think this guy's got a lot of potential that maybe other fans aren't seeing at the moment? Westerman is a guy that I will kind of go to bat for all day long. I think he's played extremely well this preseason, and I think he deserves a chance to go against some wounds. I think Glasgow maybe gets overlooked here and there. And then also Hardy Nickerson. Hardy Nickerson's a linebacker there that plays a bunch of special teams, and he excels on special teams. Such a good special teamer. And when he's in, and when he's in defense, he plays good in coverage. He, I think he just needs more reps. If you give Nickerson more reps, I think he can be a guy for you that when, you know, compared to the rest of the group, Nick Mitchell, even Bontae Burfecht, some slower guys, he can be that kind of faster guy that can pick up, you know, pick up the slack and coverage. Um, let, let's stay on that side of the ball because Hardy Nickerson's an interesting one. We're obviously approaching the big weekend of cuts, the night of the long knives, and kind of, you know, uh, Nickerson is expected to be retained. I would imagine in that linebacker core, just about. Um, but I'm interested to again a similar question about the offense, but I'll, I'll, I'll switch it to the defense. We've got a new. Uh, of a defensive, pardon me, a defensive coordinator in Terrell Austin. Uh, what have you? You know, obviously, um, uh, Paulie G was uh, a disciple, if you like, of Mike Zimmer, and they, he introduced like that double A gap blitz scheme, which was so successful. What do you see differently on on the defensive side of the ball? Because obviously, we've got. A lot of the the headlines, if you like, are being taken up by the defensive line and their performance against Buffalo. But again, schematically, what have you noticed that's slightly different? I think with Gunther, and I think you have to praise Gunther for what he was able to do in Cincinnati. He's a schematic genius that likes to throw a lot of different blitzes and fake blitz, you know, you know, um, show blitz and not blitz and some stunts. But I think the New Bengals, you know, defense coordinator has done a good job of rushing with their front four and getting pressure with their front four. I think he values having extra defenders in coverage, maybe more so than Gunther in terms of blitzing less guys, and he's been able to create pressure with their front four, whether that be from just a pure talent perspective, but also a stunt perspective and who he's choosing to rush, the combinations of four, you know, front four rushers he's been able to throw in. He's been able to create pressure with just four guys so well, and that just benefits the defense significantly. And you can blame, you know, you can obviously put, put, put a lot of that credit in the pockets of the talented defensive linemen they have, but being able to rotate in so many fresh bodies and choose the right combinations of guys on the left and right side you have to tip your cap, tip your cap to the defensive coordinator. So, do you think? I mean, we had a um, one of our sort of Bengals UK tweeters kind of said we're going to have the best defensive line in football this year. Now, I'm not, you know, you, the Rams and the, the Eagles could probably have, pitch a pretty good argument against that, but um, I mean, it did look pretty monstrous against. And I know it's preseason, <laughs> and I know it's not. You know, we're not going to get carried away too much, but. You know, where at the end of the day, where do you see this defensive line kind of in the hierarchy of of the NFL? I think there's a lot of talent 
in Minnesota. I think they're talented. The Eagles, you know, you look at the Rams, again, Domicon, Sue, and Aaron Donald. And but the you know, Cincinnati Bengals have to be in that conversation. I mean, yeah. specifically looking at the depth, you have Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, and Carl Lawson kind of being the stars of the show. But then you go to tier below and you look at Jordan Willis. Glasgow and Andrew Billings, when you start to factor in that kind of well, depth, Billings has had an amazing really preseason, hasn't he? Andrew Billings, he looks tremendous. Yeah, Andrew Billings, look at that one play when he's going against uh, Bill's backup center, Ryan Groy, and beats him within probably 0.3 seconds of the snap. That is the Andrew <laughs> Billings you saw at Baylor. That is the yeah. Andrew Billings they expect him to be. And if he is going to be, be that guy, meet those expectations, having him just in a, as a rotational interior rusher, it's just such a luxury for the defense and I think when you look at the depth you look at the starters it's hard to say they're not a top three defensive line let alone in conversation for the best football and the defensive line is one thing and I think we all agree it's exciting with Lawson you know roaming everywhere lining up all sorts of places and and then Billings and Atkins in the middle and you know as you say Willis and Glasgow and and Carlos Dunlap I mean we haven't even mentioned him yet um <laughs> but there is a slight worry about the back end and certainly of the middle of the field where Bengals have traditionally been, well, kind of weak, really, or weaker. Um, what do you see in the linebacking core, especially in coverage, and the fact that Jesse Bates has been thrown into the deep end and after George Iloka's release, which I think people people are excited because they're giving young players a chance, but they're also, I think they recognise it is a risk. What are your thoughts on that whole kind of the back end of the defence? I like Jesse Bates and Darius Phillips a bunch. I think they're going to play Jesse Bates a lot at safety and Darius Phillips at slot corner. I think they have a lot of talent there. I think there's going to be some growing pains like with all rookies, especially when they start to go against some of the better receivers in the NFL and they really start to test themselves against the ones. That's where you're going to see those growing pains. But both those guys have a lot of potential. If they can keep their heads on, remain conditioned, and really improve each and every week, this is, they, they have special ability. As for the linebacking core, you have to have concerns for Vigil and you know Perfect being those kind of mainstays at linebacker because of their you know inability to really be good coverage linebackers. They're just not fast enough, just not athletic enough to make those plays. And without you know a Gunther scheme that has them blitzing more often than others there's concern there. And I think that's where Hardy Nickerson comes into play. That's where maybe playing more, playing more defensive backs, bringing maybe Sean Williams into the mix. That's where, you know, you start to help your, your linebackers out. But that, that that's going to be maybe not an Achilles heel, but a key weakness in this defense is their coverage linebackers and their ability to defend the middle of the field. Um, that being said, you mentioned that, you know, they might push Sean Williams up a bit closer to the line and almost like a, a nickel kind of linebacker almost really. Um, were you surprised when they let George Iloka go? Um, not necessarily. I think George Iloka has been you know, great for the franchise for such a long time. But when you look at his grade, you know, last year was the highest, his highest grade. That was his career highest grade. And it was still just above average, if not right in the ballpark of average. And George Iloka is not going to get much better than that. George Iloka, what he gave you last year is kind of what he's going to give you year in, year out. And to move on from him, especially with how much money they were going to have to pay him if they didn't, it made a lot of sense, especially with how impressed they were with Jesse Bates. It made a lot of sense. And, you know, you hate to cut ties with a player that has been just such a key part of the franchise for such a long time, but sometimes it's a necessary evil, especially when you have rookies that you want to play and see what you have, you know, actually mm -hmm. down the pipeline. Austin, we really appreciate your analysis. We won't want to keep you any longer, but what we like to do with our guests on this podcast, the last two questions, is we like to just have a bit of fun and ask them a couple of questions. So 
The first one is in the UK on the Bengals podcast. We love trying out some different craft beers and seeing what's going on. And we want to know, what does Austin Gale drink out in Cincinnati? Are you a beer fan? And if so, what sort of beers are you drinking? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I'm a big beer fan. I like craft beer. I think two big Cincinnati beers are Mad Tree and Ryan Geist. I'm sure you've heard a bunch of that if you brought other guests mm, on. Yeah. I think if I had to choose between the two, I'd go Mad Tree. I'm definitely a big Mad Tree fan. But also, kind of, a, you know, under the radar brewery, it's, an, it's, it's more closer to Indianapolis. It's called Three Floyds, and it's definitely a craft beer I lean on whenever I see it available in any more than that. Well, if you can send us a mad tree in the post, we'll appreciate it. <laughs> um, the last question we've got for you is we like to just get everyone on record about, you know, what what they think the Bengals' record is going to be in the 2018-19 season. We're going to have um, all of our Twitter followers send us their predictions, and we'd be really interested to get yours as someone who knows a lot about the team. What do you think the Bengals' record is going to be 2018-19 that's that's a great question, and I hate to be a guy that gives a range, but I don't see this team as a nine and seventeen this year. I see them pushing past that, Ooh. and at its best, being eleven five, getting to that ten and six mark. I think that's where they mm. honestly can be. And if everyone stays healthy, and that includes the key Tyler Hartford, that includes John Ross, that includes a lot of these guys that have struggled with injury in the past, eleven and five is not out of reach for this Cincinnati Bengals team. Austin, how many of those mad trees have you been drinking? You... <laughs> None today, unfortunately. I, uh, before you go, actually, just one question that popped into my head, and I will let you go in a minute, don't worry. Um, what's it like working at Pro Football Focus? What's your like daily... Do you just watch uh, a shed load of, of film all day? I mean, what's your day-to-day job what it must be incredible you've got chris collinsworth just like walking around the the yeah. office you know what i mean it must be an amazing place to work yeah it's it's incredible i mean all the guys having as many talented football minds all crammed in one office building is incredible you'll you know you, you just hear it you know recently with teddy bridgewater traded the saints someone will yeah. just, you know pop up from their desk like teddy bridgewater just traded the saints and then you'll just hear conversations sparking up and everyone's like I think it's a great move. It's like, oh, he's got to sit behind Breeze. How many more years does Breeze have left? And you just like, <laughs> those conversations in the workplace are just fantastic. And that's what I love most about it. It's being around a bunch of guys that have the same interests as you. And anytime something breaks, you're not in that conversation with a guy at the bar who is like, oh, Jeremy Hill's going to break out for the Bengals this year. It's like, dude, Jeremy Hill's not on the Bengals this year. You're never going to run into that conversation. You run into, you run into educated, you know, unbiased, really strong conversation. And it just makes you a smarter football fan. It makes you a smarter analyst. And it's that's what I love most about it, to be honest. It's not like this podcast working with uh, me, Nathan, <laughs> isn't it? That's what you get. You, I, I educate you every day, don't I, when you come in? You educate me as a person, Paul, not just <laughs> on the NFL, you know. Um, <laughs> tell us something about Chris Collinsworth. Um, what's he like in the flesh and what's he like yeah, to work with? I think what surprised me the most about Chris Collinsworth meeting him and hanging out with him and working with him is that he's exactly what he's like on TV. He's a really nice guy, yeah. really down to earth, very genuine. It's not like what he puts on TV and you know the voice he has on TV is different than what he brings into the office. He's the same guy. And you know, I've met other people I've seen on TV that are completely different than how they portray right, themselves. Yeah. And Chris Collinsworth is really that guy. He is a very nice, you know, down to earth, I think it's the best way to explain it, genuine dude. And when you see him come in the office, you know, he knows your name and, you know, he asks how you're doing and he actually means it, which is, which has been great. He's just such a good guy to look up to and work with and kind of see on TV as well. 
Well, next time you see him, give him a squeeze and say, Bengals UK, say hello. And um, <laughs> uh, But for now, Austin, thank you so much. It's been fun talking to you. We'd love to have you on again. Um, thank you for your thoughts. And, I mean, let's, I mean, let's think, cross our fingers and hope you're right. The, the regular season only is like, what, um, a week and a half away almost. So we're hoping yeah, that the Bengals finally click and, and, and actually kind of fulfill their potential i think that's that's the key thing isn't it absolutely looking forward to it thanks again for having me on and i look forward to speaking with you guys too thanks for the time austin cheers cheers austin thank you mate well that was austin gale uh, and wasn't he marvelous I, I i've said it once and i'll say it before no you can't say it <laughs> no, that geezer gave joe goodbury a run for his money in what in what sense is his football analysis oh uh, he was imagine working at pro on football. a run right now uh, Goodbury's on the run, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Gale is chasing Goodbury. <laughs> as we speak. Well, no, I mean, he works at Pro Football Focus. I well, mean, that's what I mean. Joe, bless him, is, is a dude in his bedroom, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, but Joe could work for Pro Well, football. actually, to be fair, Joe writes for The Athletic now, which is an amazing website. Who'd win a fight, Goodbury <sighs> or Austin Gale? Well, I know Joe's about stat six fight. foot four. His stat fight. <laughs> Joe could be six foot four. Yeah, yeah. He's got the edge, doesn't he? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to make it happen. Um, <laughs> but imagine working at Pro Football Focus, that is... Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's interesting incredible. insight as Because well. when it came out, it got laughed at a bit. And now it's like so well-respected, they're it's putting it really on NFL. Just like, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah. to begin with, everyone's like, oh, it's just a couple of guys in their bedroom. And now it's like, no, that's like a real, like, people are really keen on that now. Yeah, so and it's, the first day, they'll be intimidating, wouldn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Walking into yeah, the yeah, office. Know, know, yeah, <laughs> Jim, yeah. this is Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> yeah. Hi, how's it going? Um, do you want to hang out, maybe? Sort of play some <laughs> table tennis at some point? Right. Um, Tell me the entire linebacking core for the for Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles right now. Yeah. Uh, man. Each grade. Grade them all now. <laughs> Uh, they're eating lunch. Grade their e- lunch eating abilities. You know, um, plus two point one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's also good to know that uh, our optimism isn't misplaced. I mean, he's Eleven sounded five. Re- that geezer, Sam. He was all over it, wasn't he? He's keen. I'm telling you, he's having a few mad. Any geezer that drinks mad tree, we can't take his opinion <laughs> seriously. <laughs> What's your prediction for the year then? Have you? Have you, have you done, oh, that's next oh, week. Oh, that's oh, next week. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Oh. It's the predictions. Amateur hour. Spoilers. It's, spoilers. It's, it's the predictions <laughs> episode next week. My apologies. And we're and I can give you a spoiler now. Uh, Jeff Hobson is going to join us next oh, week that's again. Massive. The first guest we've had on twice. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? So it's um, true. There we go. Anyway, um. So, you know, Jim's here, and uh, hi, Jim. Hello. And um, I want to know what it's like watching the NFL in Japan. What What's your kind of routine? Because we speak about the games, like, on the Monday. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, on various messaging services. Uh-huh. Um but what, have you got a crew? Do you watch it with a bunch of friends? What's it like? What do you do? What kind of time do you watch it? Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's... One word is exhausting. Um, <laughs> the early, the early afternoon games they kick off at, uh, I think it's two a.m. God, that's mad. And then, two a.m. your time. Two a.m. my time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, and then the four o'clock games there at uh, five, I think. That's mad. And then the Sunday night game that will kick that will start at nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> so what I what I tend to do, <laughs> what I tend to do is because I don't, I'm lucky enough not to work Mondays, then okay. I will just watch three games live until midday one o'clock in the afternoon on the monday right so i won't i won't sleep i'll just i'll watch them all live i share my can i say this live 
if I share my Game Pass with somebody else. I think you can. And don't worry, the NFL don't listen to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> no one listens to And he's, he's, he's at work on Monday, so I watch everything live. Right. He gets home, and then he can, you know, he can go to town for that day, and then we will just, you know, we'll be in touch and we'll share right. the, the games throughout the rest of the week. But So that's usually for the regular season. My friend who I share it with, uh, we, we've got a, a big crew of people that will watch the playoffs. Right, right. But, you know, regular season... Well, you get season, together and, we'll watch, get the together play- and, yeah, and yeah. watch the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Super Bowl is always huge. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nobody's that interested in watching the Bengals regular season games, unfortunately. So that's more of a... Really? It's more of a lonesome affair. But, right, uh, yeah, you know, well, it's, it, it's, we it's know okay. that feeling. Right? <laughs> that's incredible dedication. Because I mean, for us on a Sunday night, like, no one does anything. Like The early games are 6 o'clock for us over here. So right. it's like no one's doing anything at 6 or 9 o'clock mm-hmm. on a Sunday night. And they're over by midnight. So yeah. the only thing that really gets us out in a bit of a strop is the primetime games, which I guess for you is like... At least it's in like somewhat of a civilized hour at nine, ten in the morning. The, the, you know yeah, I mean? it's no, it's no problem. I can actually sleep and then yeah. get up and watch the game. And it's about you know watching the Bengals in prime time is never that much fun, is it? No, yeah. no, yeah. let's face it. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, Paul, where's yes. the best place you've ever watched a Bengals game? Because I mean, we've got Jimmy here watching them in Tokyo. Where, where's the best? Have you ever watched a Bengals game in an exciting place, or is there apart been from there? Cincinnati? Well, I mean, that's obviously a good answer. Um, and apart from Wembley, that you was You go down to the cool. casino in London and watched a few games? Yeah, we go down the Hippodrome now and again when oh, there's a casino in the in the centre of London that shows the games on like a cinema-sized screen. What? And it's like you can order like beer and food that brings to the table. That's pretty amazing. I need to do that. Um, and we've done that a few times, like, you know, meetups with Bengals UK people and, you know, and it's really good fun. That's probably the coolest place, actually. I mean, as you know, it's kind of... There aren't the sports bars no. there are in America, so right. you can't just like nip down to the local pub uh, and start watching the a, Bengals. A four and a half hour game. A four and a half hour game, yeah, you know. So um, it is kind of, I mean, this is how we all met, didn't we, on Twitter? Yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just chatting on Twitter because we're over all there. Over a roulette wheel. Over and, <laughs> and a bowl of car keys. And, um, but yeah, it is like that, isn't it? You watch it on your laptops or your, yeah, you yeah. Chromecast it onto your TV but it's a solitary it really is. existence, yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, but then, thankfully, through Bengals UK and, and chatting to people, we've kind of met up and we haven't watched perhaps as many games as we we should have done. Um, but I always go back. The best thing I'd watch was when I was back at my mum and dad's house when they were like, in the Super Bowl in 1989. It was the Channel 4, right? It was... Uh... Yeah, Channel 4 Live. Mm-hmm. Um and just I just it just like a nostalgic thing as well. I was still like a teenager, you know, I stayed up for it. Everyone was asleep in our little kind of sleepy kind of street and I was when Stanford Jennings ran back that kickoff return, I was <laughs> like literally screaming the place down, you know. So yeah, I think we ought to kind of make it, you know, a a thing to watch watch Bengals games in cool places. Which segues neatly to uh, we have news about our next meetup, and this is going to be a cool place to watch a Bengals game. Make Absolutely, no mistake, mate. Absolutely, um, it's going to be Sunday, the twenty eighth of October. We're going to be screening the Bengals versus Buccaneers game live, and it's going to be um, the tap room, which is upstairs at the Brewery House and Kitchen uh, in Highbury Corner in North London. It's five to uh, five to ten. Probably we can probably squeeze out another hour or so. I think in there, but it's all booked. We're going to put this on Twitter tomorrow. Um, so do please come along. We've got a, like an enormous. 
big screen and projector. It's like a really great boozer, really great space to watch a game in. Plenty of room for lots and lots of people. So we want you all to, to come down or up or across or wherever you are, if you can. Yeah, it'd be a big guy. I'm absolutely buzzing for that. It's great. Um, now, before we get to uh, questions, Jimmy and Yumi have bought us uh, something to to kind of snack on during the... It's a Japanese snack. What's the Japanese name for this, Jim? Uh, so, squid is uh, Ika. Ika? And... Uh, uh? So this is Sakika. Sakika. Yeah, Sakika. And do you want to tell us what it is? Uh, it's basically... Uh, dried squid, which you know, let's face it, on the on the on the face of it, doesn't sound particularly appealing. Not really, but um, this is like super popular in Japan, right? Uh, yeah, it's amazing, and it it goes beautifully um, with uh, lager, right. and beers, and all right. stuff like this. So yeah, it's it's really it's a really popular thing to have in an izakaya, which is sort of a cross between. Uh, a, a pub and a restaurant sort of right, thing in, right. in Japan so yeah and Yumi, uh, Yumi's almost finished this bag now so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Paul I, I'm going to do a live commentary so Paul is dipping his hand into the bag I've got a handful, and, and all he's can, taking a big what chunk what you describe this as it's kind of like it's not crunchy it's not like a, it's soft. soft it's quite soft but it's, <laughs> it's not crunchy it's here soft. he goes he's, he's, having a, he's having a good sniff Okay, Yumi's saying the more I chew it, the more I can taste more. God, it smells so more strong. It right, smells so strong. <laughs> Paul, what are you saying? Can I What's your first verdict? Oh, he's looking a bit. He's looking a bit nervous. That's actually really nice. Is it? Right. Hold on. Let me. No, you keep talking. I've got to chew this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, how often do you eat this sort of stuff? Uh, this, I mean, it, it, I think it's really, really good, but it's not one of my absolute favourites, so I will eat this like quite sparingly. Right, Nathan's but going in. He's it's taking really it. good. How like, did you get this into UK, by the way? Is it not to, illegal? No, it's completely fine, because it's... Uh, is it, is it okay? It's not milk or cheese. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Our bags didn't get searched, so it's, so it's okay. So right, Nathan's we, going in. If Border and Customs are listening, yeah, I'm yeah, not sorry. eating this dry squid. <laughs> it's just re- right, it's really go. nice. It's got a really strong, fishy smell. It's quite chewy. Stay away from the mic because your chewing noises are like... It tastes like a tasty version of fish food. Have you, what? You've tried fish food before? No, I used to feed my fish. It tastes like that, but in a well, good you way. you tried that fish food. Did you how would you know it? how it tastes? No, but you can like smell it. It's got the same right. taste. You can smell the taste. It's actually really... It is really more. It's really addictive, though, isn't it? This is not good podcast material. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good for radio, us Mate, chewing into the microphone. That's actually it's, really it's, tasty. It's really, it's perfect with... Oh, um, really with it's really tasty. It's not like addictive. And he wants some more. He's going in again. <laughs> nice. Good work, Yumi. Nice one. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> it's Chan. not going to come out well for the viewers. I love you, Yumi-chan. <laughs> Thank you. Bengals UK trying dried squid. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> no, that's the first on so the it's podcast. It's a good angle. It's a niche. Yumi's grabbing a, a few strands there. It looks like kind of a hairy thing. Almost hair. <laughs> like like thick hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thick, it, fishy it could, hair. It could be a hairy squid that's, uh, that's been dug, that's up, deli- dug, that dug is... up from the deep. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely delicious. Thank you very much. Um... Right, uh, anything else you want to talk about, Nathan? 
What about you? I mean, you asked me what the where the court. You're still cheering on that bloody squid, aren't you? <laughs> Man, I'm having a right affair with a squid. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin Lewis is out the window. He's dried squid all the way. He, he cat. He's all the way. Um, um, so yeah, where, where's the court? You asked me, but where is the coolest place you've watched a Bengals game? A coolest. I was on a night out in Belgrade in Serbia, and literally. We came out of club at one in the morning and the Bengals were playing the Texans last year. Here we go. And we walked past the bookmakers and just, it was like two in the morning, we was heading home, looked in, the game's on. So I thought, well, I've got to go down and watch it. Went in and they served beer in bookmakers in Serbia. I stayed oh, in this bookmakers. Pff, that's from, dangerous, isn't it, man? <laughs> from two o'clock until half five in the morning watching uh-huh. the Bengals against the Texans, which was cool, but also like awfully depressing. Right. Getting blown out by the Texans, right, 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 drinking right. beer in a bookies. So that's probably the best place I've seen it. Another cool place was I went to LA to watch a game and they've got a Bengals bar in LA. And this is a good shout out for one of our you know, Bengals bars abroad. It's called Bengals West. And there's a big group of fans that get together out in LA every Sunday and watch the games there. So that was a real... Um, real good experience to watch that. Like so, how how sort of widespread are the Bengals bars in in the states? Are there's they... one in New York. Yeah, Have I you heard been that, to one yeah. in New York. No, I've never been to New York. I can't remember it's Phoebe's or something. It's called. Uh-huh. Um, that's a really good. I, I went there after the Bengals games. I wasn't there for it, but they've got a big flag outside. Is there somewhere cool. that you can sort of check where these Bengals bars are? Is there like a little so, resource online? I think the Bengals website does actually have a oh, link, okay, cool. but I'm not sure how in date it is. Right. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really cool thing. I mean, we should almost like designate a Bengals bar in London. Well, it's funny. There's we a, should get in touch with. Yeah, a few bars. absolutely. I think this one that we're going to um, go to could be potential. Actually, yeah, it's really, yeah. really good. Um, anything else you want to talk about? We've got a question. A really good question. Let's have it. But um, okay, so, and it comes from our old chum, Dastardly Duncan. Dastardly Duncan. Duncan Price. Might be a bit of a variation on a theme, but having seen what you've seen in the pre-season so far, if you could take any two players from the entire NFL that would put us over the top and into the playoffs, who would you choose? Paul, do you want to go first? Um, I would go for George Iloka. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, I would definitely go for a really speedy, mobile linebacker that's really good in coverage so Luke Keekley well, it's more yeah yeah I think he would immediately I think CJ Mosley would be really good from the from the Ravens um maybe a set I mean, maybe even Eric Weddle from the Ravens as well someone who's just really calm destroying influence at safety I mean even like an old Thomas dare I say right yeah. 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 you know so maybe maybe you those two things you wouldn't even think about like chucking in a good quarterback well, Aaron Rodgers I, I was going to say yeah, Aaron Rodgers I, I think a really quarterback choice, would be but... the easiest thing to say a Rodgers or a Brady because like they'd win with like a team containing us three well maybe not actually but um... <laughs> Jimmy what are you saying uh, any two players I mean a, a right tackle I think would be uh, you know an, an obvious priority. Um, best right tackles in the league. Who would we go for? I mean, Tyron Smith maybe. Tyron Smith, hundred percent. Yeah, Anthony Munoz last week wasn't he? He was saying the yeah. exact thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the right tackle is a, is an obvious weak weak spot, and I think I I probably agree with Paul. I mean, a, a safety mm. is is obviously now that we've we've lost uh, gorgeous George. Um, again, like who <laughs> would it George. be? But. Um, I, I really, I mean, Earl Thomas would be a fantastic shout. Whether yeah, he, yeah. whether we would have the money 
or anything. I I, I don't know. It wouldn't happen, right? But uh, yeah, I'd I'd go safety and right tackle. I think I, I'm okay. Thank so you. I'm, I'm passing around dried squid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passing around dried squid during it's that. Gone down, hit this squid. <laughs> oh my god! I might just tip that whole bag into my mouth. <laughs> I would go, I agree with Jimmy. I think Tyron Smith would be a big thing for us at right tackle. Plug him in there. I would also like Aaron Donald just to see the chaos that him and Gino You almost said Anal Donald there. Anal Donald. Aaron Donald (laughs) and Gino Atkins. Imagine that chaos with Billings plugging in now and again. That would be complete chaos. And I can't pass you back to Paul because he's eating down the squid. (laughs) Um, Okay, have we got anything more to talk about? Have we got anything more to talk about? Um, no? No, I don't right, think okay. so. All right. Um, so that's it for this week. Um, me and Nathan are going to reveal the winner of, of our Madden 19 competition uh, next week, I think. That's Is that when we're fair. doing it? Yeah, 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 because yeah. we've got a... The, the closing date was yesterday, which was the 28th, so we need to kind of digest and process all the, the, the entrance. So we'll reveal the winner next week. And uh, obviously, just to reiterate, we do have another fan meetup, number six for Bengals UK, Sunday the 28th of October. Uh, um, you can watch the Bengals versus the Buccaneers live on an enormous screen in the tap room, which is upstairs at the brew house and kitchen um, in Highbury Corner uh, in North London. So that's about it for this week. We'll be back uh, early next week, I think, but we'll obviously put out on Twitter. Um Paul, can, I, can I cut you short? What? I'd like to bring something up. Uh, right. Okay. I'd like. I left this till the end because I was so appalled by it. What do you mean appalled? So by, tonight we've what, got a what? guest that's travelled over here from Tokyo, Japan, to be on the guest. Thank you for coming on, Jimmy. It's yeah, been how, an absolute it? privilege. Thank you. It's been an absolute <laughs> privilege having you on. And during tonight's podcast, when we were waiting for Austin Gale to come on, yeah. We called Austin a couple of times and he didn't pick up, so we were sort of waiting for him. But to you're come not bitter on. about that, are you? I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> you know, I think it's better that a guest keeps us a bit keen. You know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> you're right. So Paul pops out for a cigarette, okay, and we're sat here just you know waiting for Austin to email back, which he does. So I click on the email, and inexplicably, and I think it's a disgrace to his profession, <laughs> the first email in Paul Heron's in- inbox. Oh God! You have got a match on Tinder. And it, we, I mean, I literally am appalled by the professionalism of this. Why are you you're supposed by to be that? on this podcast? You're swiping left. Should swiping be focused, right. really, shouldn't you? You've got to be focused <laughs> on the job. And then, well, the funniest thing is, we met. Who is this girl then? And he's showing us a list of women. <laughs> that he's well, you asked on for Tinder. it. You asked for it. I've never know. seen so many women in my life. You don't get out much, then, do you, Nathan? <laughs> um, I've got. I'm going to post out a tweet tonight. With evidence of Paul Weeruns is t- what? How? How do you mean? What do you well, mean? I'll show you tonight. Oh no! <laughs> Look, it's you know Betsy I'm a single. I am a single man, and you know you got to do what you got to do, and I can't help it. I'm, if I'm utterly irresistible, <laughs> what's your success rate? Um, what well, depends what you call success, really? Like, well, but we don't want to go. I don't even know how Tinder works. Is it like, how many times have you swiped left? Swiped left. <laughs> You do, yeah, you really don't know how Tinder works, do you? Really? Like, I'm a married man, I don't know. Exactly, which know puts you one step ahead of me, so we'll leave it there, I think. Um, listen, thanks guys for listening. Uh, uh, we'll be back next week with Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. Um, Jimmy, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been amazing, thank you so much. Pleasure having you on, man. 11 and 5!
Yumi, it's been great to see you in the sewing room as well with your dried squid and all sorts of things. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening again. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.